0: Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and as a full time gig, I'm the host of The Paul Garcia Show, named it Myself, a podcast and online show on which I have powerful conversations with remarkable people from Central Illinois and sometimes beyond that. All about their incredible lives, experiences, and insights, all in order to educate and inspire you, yes, you, incredible people out there in the world. You can find my show on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and basically everywhere else under the name The Paul Garcia Show. Today, however, on Catholic Conversations, I am honored to be speaking with a truly remarkable Catholic priest, a legendary athlete, and a former guest on The Paul Garcia Show, the one and only Father Chase Hilgenbrink. So thank you so much for joining me today, Father.
1: Great to be back with you, Paul.
0: And we're in your hometown of Normal, Illinois, where you attended University High School and established yourself as a legend in the soccer community. Your soccer career is full of incredible accomplishments from being a member of the U-17 national team in high school to being a starter for the D1 Clemson University to most notably your professional soccer career as a player for Chile's top division team, Huachipato. Before we talk about all that, however, could you tell the listeners a little more about who you are today and and what you're doing? It's great. Yeah. Thanks
1: so much again for having me and, and, uh, love doing your show. And, and I, I definitely suggest all the listeners to go check it out and, and, and all the very cool guests and, and to see them live and videos is, is also very, re- very nice. But, you know, um, you said that I was from, from normal and I have to correct you. I'm, I'm from Bloomington, man. And there's, there's a huge difference for those of us who live in this town. No, I, uh, I love normal and, and, um, and, and love spending time here as well. But, uh, you know, right now I'm uh, I'm in my seventh year as a Catholic priest here in the diocese of Peoria, and uh, just after a four and a half year stint at the University of Illinois at Saint John's Catholic Newman Center as a chaplain on that campus, uh, the bishop has asked me now to to be the vocation director for the diocese. So I now live in Peoria, and uh, I travel around our diocese, basically building up all of our youth. It's 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 like the coolest job ever. I get to find the future of the church and find those who who really want to grow, and I get to be that priest that you know that actually offers my time and support to them. So I often invite people into relationship and say, if you're ready to grow, let's do this. And especially young men who, who are seeking out a vocation. And, and no matter what that vocation is, uh, I want to help them to grow in that, to, to hear the Lord's voice, to know what he's doing in their life and to become the men that they're called to be. And in, in a special way, I help those discern, who are discerning um, the Catholic priesthood. And so uh, it's such a cool job. I, I love being a priest I love the opportunity to to help other men grow. I help to. I love to, to be the guy that I was always looking for—someone who would inspire me to be a good Catholic, but also show me the way to do it, and 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 to be the guy, especially when I had questions about. Man, there's there's a little like tug in my heart. There's 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 something going on, and I, I think the Lord's calling me to priesthood, but I don't know who to talk to. I get to be the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I get to be the guy that like, when you don't know who to talk to, I get to be the guy that they get to talk to. So um, I, I love doing all this and I'm, I'm so grateful for this diocese and the Bishop asking me to do this this work. And, and uh, I'm so
0: honored uh, to, to serve this diocese in that capacity. Wow. And I mean, listening to you, I I seriously get a little fired up because I myself, I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm getting older. I'm 24. You know, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long ago that I was in high school and you're filling a role that I would have loved to have known about in high school. So, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this to the priesthood in general, but there's no secret. It's no secret that there's a certain demographic of young men that Priests have a hard time connecting with usually, and it's like the stud athletes. The I hate to say it, but like the cool kids. You know, it's the priesthood doesn't seem cool to a lot of stud athletes in high school. Um, A lot of those, it, it, it just doesn't. That's not who their normal role model is. That's not the normal person that they look up to. It doesn't seem cool. But suddenly, you know, they come across a a priest who's. Physically fit, he was a professional soccer player, he rose to the ranks in athletics that they will probably never reach or reach themselves, but they certainly will strive for, and they left it all to become a priest. Has that has your history in soccer helped you significantly, would you say, in, in forming these connections with young, young men?
1: Well, certainly, I've had to explore that and and to find out, you know, what what the Lord is asking me to do with that that history in mind, knowing exactly what you just said, and if I can, in all humility, to to say that, like, I, I believe that that the Lord allowed me to to fulfill my own dreams and to become that that man that I wanted to be, in order that He could now use that for His glory and for His church, and so I, I feel like I have an obligation to tell that story. I have an obligation um, um, to be that 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 inspiration for others who may be looking for a different example, as you mentioned. Um, and so I'm always trying to find ways to, to tell that story again in, in order to, to inspire others. Um, but also to show them that you, you don't have to be what I was in order to be who you're, you're called to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and to be fair to, to other priests, I will say, I, I wasn't inspired necessarily, just as you mentioned when I was growing up by, by other priests, but it, as I look back now, it may not have been just because of their witness, their their example that that I didn't aspire to, um, but also it wasn't what I was looking for. You know, um, I think in in the culture that we live in, and in, in, in our youth today, right, that that's not t- the type of manhood that we're looking for. But yet, when we grow into our, our maturity, and even you as as a mature Catholic man now, who's who's willing to to live out his faith in in desiring holiness, right there's all of a sudden you know you you look at a priest with different eyes he doesn't have to be cool to be who he's called to be he doesn't have to be like athletic or inspiring or or um uh, you know super motivational uh, to inspire you to live out your catholic faith and so i think there's a there's an immaturity in 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 young men and especially in myself and i'll put myself i'll use myself as an example growing up one of the reasons that i wasn't inspired by other priests when i was growing up because that wasn't i wasn't mature enough to look to know what i was looking for Right, and so now I look at other brother priests, and 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 really, like if I were looking the, for, for for true inspiration, they they still may not inspire me today. But I look with different eyes, mm-hmm. and I have tons of priests around me, my brothers who inspire me to holiness, uh, who who inspire me to live in a way that they're living. To go deeper into the church, deeper into the faith, deeper into the heart of Jesus, deeper into virtue—all those things that that now in in, in a greater maturity I aspire to—and I do find inspiration from those men. And it has nothing to do with their personality, it has nothing to do with their talents, it has nothing to do with the image that they put off to others. But I find inspiration in that. And and I'll tell you, with 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 mature Catholics, that those who who turn the corner, you know, I, I see them being inspired by by many priests and and religious today who are living uh, an an unpopular life. And, and maybe uninspiring to the world's eyes, mm-hmm. um, but all of a sudden, when our eyes change to like wanting to conform our lives to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden these people are are perhaps the most inspiring. We want to follow them. We want to know what the, how they live so that we can live the same way.
0: Hmm. I, I, excellent point. It's clear that you've thought about this, and you have a an incredible ability to articulate. You know this this concept. It's absolutely true. And I'm just curious, what then if you can, you know, put it into clear words. What exactly inspires you about some of your brother priests? Like what traits, because it surely is not going to be like, you know, this person's an athlete. Like you said, that's an immature faith. That's an immature way of thinking, really. It's like you look up to the person because of their athletic ability, how fast they run. Like how silly is that really? But it is the mind of a high school kid and a lot of younger people. What about your brother priests uh, inspires you exactly?
1: Well, I think, you know, just in general, we're always inspired by something we don't have, right? Hmm. because we aspire to something that, that that is not yet complete in us, it's not yet come to its fulfillment in us. And certainly in the way of the spiritual life, that's always true, right? We're not, we're not going to come to fulfillment and completement, completion and, until we see Jesus Christ face to face, until he perfects us in heaven, right? And, and in purgatory, probably. But um, but as we think about that, I I'm inspired, especially by the heroic virtue of some of my brother priests, um, those who, you know, sometimes you just, you just see a guy where maybe you've grown slack in, uh, in a few ways and you see a guy that's like on mission. And you see his, his mission spirit. You see a new initiative that he's doing at his church, like some creativity that you've never thought about, or he's, he's, he's diving deeper into virtue or, or leading other men and women in, in ways that, that the church hasn't, hasn't thought of yet, or, or just in a way that maybe you've grown a little bit lax or you forgot about, or, you know, there's so much to do. There's so much work to be done. And, uh, and you see what they're doing and you're like, man, that guy is on mission. You, you remember back when the day that you felt called and you're like, that's why I said yes. Right. That's why I said yes to the priesthood in the first place. And you're reminding me of God's voice in my heart that, that is, that is telling me that he wants me on this mission. He wants to bring souls to himself. And I'm supposed to be a catalyst for that. I'm supposed to be an instrument for him. And so. When I see brothers doing those things, um, it, it, it's a real inspiration to me to, to buckle down. And, and partially it pray, plays on my pride, which is, which is a little bit okay. I love competition, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying like, dude, I want to be like him, but I, I, want, to do it, I want to do it even better. Like, and, and so we, ins- we want to inspire each other, not because we're in competition, but because it challenges my manhood and it challenges my priesthood. And, and, it, and it challenges my, my, my spirit that, that really desires greatness. Uh, but sometimes as we find out during this Lenten season, uh, we find out just how weak we are. And uh, and we need to be challenged. We need to be inspired, and we need to strive further for for greater holiness. But most of all, um, to to lead other souls who 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 haven't heard this message and and who aren't striving and who desire
0: that that faithful witness from from their leaders. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said there about the your competitive nature actually being a good thing, and it can actually be a virtuous thing, and even. At the end of the day, help you get more people to heaven because you want to do a better job than the guy next to you who's also trying to get the maximum of people, including himself, to heaven. I love that you said that because not a lot of people really put two and two together there, that you can be ultra competitive because a lot of people think that that'll get you sucked into the world and worldly things, you know, and sports and things like that. But you can apply that same mindset to the spiritual life, at least in my humble opinion, and it can be a really, really good thing. And well, first, yeah. Competition always makes us better. We
1: have, we have to understand that. We can't eliminate competition, and I'm not even going to talk about politics today mm-hmm. because that's not my specialty and, and whatever else, but, but we can't eliminate competition, otherwise we won't get better, right? We'll, we'll become lax. Our, our very nature as human beings is is, is, to, is to sit in comfort. And as, as Benedict XVI, our Pope Emeritus, once said to the youth of the entire world, you were not made for comfort, you were made for greatness, you're made for greatness. And we sometimes forget that. And we settle for comfort because it's, because it's easier, right? Mm-hmm. But competition takes us out of ourselves and says, no, I want to be great. I think the one thing that I would just say about this before we move on is just, just remember when we're in competition, we just have to identify who is our competition. And when I said what I just said to you, I'm not saying that my, my brother priest is my competition. He's my teammate. <laughs> but we're competing against the same opponent, which is evil and Satan and, and the powers of hell that do exist very clearly in the world. Right? Hey. And so I, I definitely want to co- compete against that. But he's the one who who inspires me, just like a good teammate who's telling me, "Dude, go further. Like, do your job. Like, we're not going to win this game unless you do your job, do your role. Like, and, and and I'll pull my weight. You pull your weight, and we're gonna we're gonna defeat the competition. But that's what I'm talking about. So remember, when we talk about competition, especially in the spiritual life, remember who the enemy is. And it's not it's not your fellow Christian. It's not your brother in arms who's who's next to you fighting the same battle. We inspire one another to do a greater job. But the competition is against the enemy.
0: The competition is more difficult to defeat than any team that you'll ever play in any sport, and it's much. The stakes are infinitely higher, literally infinitely higher. And I love what you're saying here. I mean, it's getting me fired up. But Father, we have to. We have. We have a topic to cover today, and I want to talk about a little bit of your your journey. And so, first, I'd like to ask, when did you? Where does your soccer career begin, and also when does it start to get serious? The soccer career begins with every other sport at about
1: 5 or 6 years old, you know, just as a youth starting to play and and uh but it continues and and it gets kind of it took its ter- first serious turn um I think when my when my brother was about 10 years old and, and we were just playing rec league soccer the PCSL here in in, in Bloomington Normal. And, uh, and that's when somebody had identified us as, as, as maybe just good, you know, when you're only five or six, they just identify good athletes. I don't know that they identify good soccer players, but, um, you know, we were asked to be on a, on a travel team at that time and. And uh, I didn't even know what that was, but certainly we discussed it as a family. And and uh, I always always commend my my parents. And I wanna I wanna give this witness to to any families who who are making that decision. Should we play? You know, a traveling sport? Are we gonna are we gonna actually go into that and make this commitment, that sacrifice, really invest money into this? And and at that time, my parents sat Blaze and I down and and just said, you know, there's there's two things. If we're gonna do this, if we're gonna invest the time and money, there's two things that we'll never compromise. And one is our family, you know, that was, that was at stake and said, so we're not going to different places We're we're going to go together. We're going to, we're going to stay together as a family. So if we're traveling places, we're traveling together. That means Chase, you're going to play on Blaze's team. Luckily there was, there was just two of us and and he was just a year older than me. And it helped incredibly in my development to play with, with older, with older kids. And, and secondly, they said, we'll never miss mass, right? If that's a deal, if we have a deal, like, and, and, and no matter if you have a game, if you have practice, you have whatever, we're on the road, if we have to go, you know, uh, late at night, early in the morning, like we're not going to miss mass, and and that was the deal. And and I can tell you that that the family held to that deal against my will, uh, but certainly held to held to that deal. And that was that was one of the, the 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 biggest witnesses that my parents ever gave me because at that time I realized how serious this faith thing was. I also realized how serious sports was about to become. And uh, and so what a what an incredible thing that that we started that journey and. And started playing uh, traveling soccer, and, and kind of the world opened up then, and uh, got to high school soccer, and 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 as you mentioned in the in the intro, I was identified to be able to play on the on the United States um, under seventeen national team. I uh, got to travel around the world a little bit, and 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 uh, and play soccer with with some of the best, and and that's when I realized, you know, that this. This could really open up, right? And and the next goal was to, was to play college soccer, and and I was able to be recruited by a few places because I was known um, as as one of maybe the top twenty five kids in, in in at my age in the country, and um, and and after going on a few recruiting trips, I I, I determined that that certainly my home was going to be in Clemson, South Carolina, playing in the ACC. And, uh, and, and after being successful there, as we continue to fast forward very quickly, um, you know, uh, I, I realized that, that maybe there's something that I could even play beyond, beyond the, the college level. And, and I just waited for the open door and had the opportunity to, to be invited to, um, to, to try with a team in, in South America. And so I know there's a lot more to the story there, but I'll finish the story of, of Faith um, that is never finished, but, uh, certainly when I went to college for the first time, in that first week of, of college, I was, I was basking in independence and, and so excited to, to be away, uh, and, and become my own man, make decisions on my own. I think as every, as every college kid is who's, who has a little bit of confidence about themselves and wants something different. And I remember that first week on, on a college campus and I was asking myself, yeah, do I go to mass this weekend? You know, do mm. I actually go? And I was, I was thinking, like, I've been complaining about this for years. Why would I go? You know, if I'm going to be true to myself, like, why would I go to mass? And in a moment of grace, and this is God's grace working through my family, through, working through just that nature that they built within me. Um, and I just thought, you know, as, as a college student, I'm trying to identify my identity. That's what the independence is all about, right? I'm trying to, to, to create my own identity of who I am. Uh, who is Chase Hilgenbrink, you know? And, and at that moment, I realized, if I, if I don't go to mass this Sunday, am I still a Catholic? Like, I really had to wrestle with that question. And, and I was afraid of not being, uh, yeah, I want I, mean, I want to be a Catholic. I believe in God, right? And all of a sudden I said, I what is a Hilgenbrink if he's not a Catholic, right? That, that identity doesn't exist either. I don't know what a Hilgenbrink is without being a Catholic, right? And so without being a follower of Christ. So all of a sudden I had to, I had to respond and God's grace worked through me. And I, t- I can tell you, I went to mass that weekend. And uh, the rest is history. I made a commitment in, in college to be a practicing Catholic for the rest of my life. That was the greatest decision I ever made in my entire life, even more than becoming a priest, was was a decision as a man, uh, making a commitment for the rest of my life. And I often challenge young men now, have you ever made a commitment that it's going to last for the rest of your life? Have you done that yet? I think I think that's a mark of of uh, coming to full stature, as Paul says in Ephesians. Have you come to full stature? Are you growing into full stature in your manhood? And uh, I think men are men of commitment. And uh, I remember that being like my first stand as a man, of of making a commitment to Jesus Christ and, and and determining who I was, what I was about, what my life was going to
0: look like in a response to an invitation from Jesus Christ to be a Christian. Incredible. Incredible, And I want to ask in just one second a little more about the details of your college career, what that experience was like. You know, did you party? Have you ever missed a day of uh, or a Sunday mass or anything like that? I want to ask all those questions in just one second. But first, here are a few words from our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. When you're looking for intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, love, sorrow, a performance to keep you on the edge of your seat. You must see the American Passion Play. The Passion Play is the story you have known, coming to life on the stage of the Center for the Performing Arts. This play is coming to Bloomington for a limited time, so don't delay. Get your tickets now at AmericanPassionPlay.org or call 309-829-3903, March 19th, March 26th, and April 2nd. We are back. I am Paul here on Catholic Conversations. I'm with Father Chase Hilgenbrink. So, Father, tell me more about your your college experience. You know, you you were not only a college student, but you're also a, a wonderful athlete. You said you made the decision to, you know, continue to be a practicing Catholic. First of all, have you ever missed a Sunday Mass in your entire life? I certainly have. Um, and, um,
1: yeah, I don't know how many of those were, were by choice, uh, but certainly because of soccer and because of travel and and things like that, you know, especially being a professional and and being on schedules that are not my own and, and I'm like unable to make. Um, and that I don't mean to make excuses for our listeners at all. I, I think a lot of people, you know, say the same thing about youth soccer, you know, our schedules and all that kind of stuff. But. Um, and so we do our best, but I, I know there were times that, that I was on the road and, and unable, but, but, but uh, maybe a handful of times when, when I was actually in, in control of my life, you know, as, as an adult in, in, in college and in, um, as a professional. I, I remember, you know, you know, even coming back to play in the MLS, I remember being in New Jersey and, and um, you know, staying across the, the Hudson from, from Giant Stadium, which is where um, they used to play in, in the MLS at, at that stadium with, with New York. Red Bulls. And, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, asking, telling coach like, Hey, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to miss like pregame meal today, this morning. Um, I gotta, I gotta run to mass, caught a cab outside and and went to mass and, and, and went back and forth. And just some of those things like, and that was, that was a little bit vulnerable for me to like even tell coach that like, you know, what's his reaction going to be? I'm missing like pregame meal. I'm going to I'm, I'm kind of doing my own thing. You know, am I a team player? You know, all those things. But I just came to a point in my life where I was like, you know, I need to be bold about this. and And if people have a problem, like, like, let's talk about it then. But, mm-hmm. but if I don't ever ask, then am I actually doing my job? And I think, I think that's where we got to stand. Like, you know, there may be some obstacles at times where, where we absolutely, it's not in our own power. You know, I, I have had, you know, 24 hour bus trips and things like that in South America, you know, like, like you're just not going to make it. And, um, and I go to confession the next day or I, I, uh, you know, I make it to mass on Monday, talk to the priest a little bit about it and try to find a, a new solution. Sometimes, you know, even when, when you're an athlete and, and some, you even have like sometimes, uh, you know, maybe maybe a priest will see your situation and help you out. I know that just a few years ago, I was uh, a chaplain at the University of Illinois, and we had, uh, you know, students who traveled who were on, you know, Division One sports teams. And having been there myself, I would offer it to, to students because there'd be students who really felt bad and and, and, and were remorseful for missing mass because they were traveling with the team and they had, they had no way of going. So I told them, hey, whenever you get back Sunday night, if it's midnight, whatever, let's... I'll, I'll be waiting for you. We'll have private mass, you know, or, or, or whatever. So we just worked it out or I'll get up super early in the morning with you before you travel with the team when there is no mass time and we'll just do a quick private mass. It'll be, it'll be fast, but you'll, you'll, you'll complete your obligation. You'll receive the Eucharist. You'll have that strength if you want to go to confession, right? So hmm. like, let's, let's make it work. You know, that always doesn't work, but, but, but sometimes it might. So are we going out of our way? I think that's the question. Are, are we actually, you know, we ask people for favors all the time. Are we willing you know, to go the extra mile for our faith and 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 to receive the Eucharist, the the that that gift beyond any imagination, this side of heaven. Like,
0: well, why don't why don't we go the full mile for that? You know, right? Oh my gosh, how wonderful would it be if we had more Father Chase Hilgenbrinks around, especially <laughs> on college campuses? Man, that would have been incredible. And you, you raised a good point. I mean, it is awkward. I've had similar experiences. Not to make this all about me, sure. but like. A, a, When I wrestled at Millican University, um, there were times where we'd wrestle a tournament late into Saturday night. And then, you know, I couldn't go to uh, Mass on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we were scheduled to leave our hotel at 9 a.m. And everyone's really tired. And I'm like, hey, guys, there's only one Mass today, and it's at 7 a.m. I've got to get there. And like, well, you can't take the bus. No one has a car. It's like, you know, coach, I've got to get to Mass. And he's like, dang it, Paul. It's like, (laughs) well, you don't have any money, so— We'll order you a cab or we'll order order you an Uber. And so, yeah, sometimes it's painful to to make it to mass. And I mean, I've had times where I've had to leave um, weddings early because, you know, someone's, uh, first of all, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be going to Protestant weddings. But uh, if (laughs) I've been at Protestant weddings and it's like, hey, this is Sunday. There's mass coming up. The only mass is at 4 p.m. I've got to make it to that. And then everyone's like, hey, you are our ride. We're not leaving before that. It's like, well. We'll figure something out, but I gotta go, and then everyone's mad at you. So it's not easy being Catholic sometimes, you know what I you mean? You
1: know, as Paul says, you know, it's 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 beautiful to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ, you know. And so <laughs> some of that is just it's just like right now in the Lenten season, it, it lowers our pride a little bit. And it, and it helps us to see who we really are and what we're about, and, and we can do that. Let me just, can, I know this is not our topic, but you just mentioned something. I don't want any listeners to be confused about, you know, you just mentioned that question about Protestant weddings. Um, first of all, I have to say, you know, even as we, as we talk about our Protestant brothers and sisters, we love them, right? We love our Protestant brothers and sisters. And mm-hmm. and I, I've been so formed in my faith by, by Protestant brothers and sisters growing up who have basically challenged me right like again we talk about the challenge like brothers and sisters in Christ who have challenged me in my catholic faith and have asked me all kinds of questions things that i was unable to answer but now i am able to because of them because they challenged me because they they brought me to another level of my game my spiritual game um uh, but you asked the question about, I don't know if I should be going to, to, to non-Catholic weddings. Um, there's no, there's no problem for Catholics to go to non-Catholic weddings. Um, uh, so long as, right, I mean, there could be many different, uh, uh scenarios, but so long as, 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 like, it's, it's a proper wedding, right? And, and there, are people who are free to marry and, and all those types of things. But we go to those weddings and I've, I've been to them. Uh, I have family members and things like that but um certainly i think the, the the rub comes when when catholics make a formal act of of kind of like leaving the church when they when you go to that 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 protestant wedding and i think it's a good opportunity for us to sometimes invite catholics to say hey um because i've had teammates ex teammates who were catholic and i knew they were catholic and they were going to get married outside of the church. And I just said to them, hey, do you know that like, you know, as Catholic, you can ask for a dispensation or maybe you should be getting married in the Catholic church first. You could do like, we could do a sacrament. So I've had two teammates where I have one of them, I got a dispensation from their bishop in another state. I just, Told him the situation. the 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 girl that he was getting married to is her father is the Protestant pastor or whatever. They're gonna get married in that church. Would you have it give him a dispensation and give him the, the the blessing? And that guy still is 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 now in good standing in the Catholic Church because of that. Another guy just uh, wanted to get married, you know somewhere on the beach, somewhere in in, in mm-hmm. Mexico or whatever. And he didn't even know the difference. Like no one has explained it to him. And maybe it's his fault for, for not like really being intent on practicing his faith and knowing certain things. But I just, I just me- happened to mention it to him. And I said, dude, before you go to the beach, like we should do like a private like ceremony. Let's do Let's do the sacrament before you go. And he's like, we can do that. That's awesome. Cool. Right. So all of a sudden you just make a, a simple invitation. And I think we're so poorly catechized that sometimes we don't know those things. Mm -hmm. The one thing that you asked though, should I be going to, to, to another person's wedding? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to a Protestant church for a wedding when, when, when two Protestants are getting married and, but the only thing you should remember is like we don't receive their communion, right? right? Which is which is just because of our love of the Eucharist. It's not because their communion is bad, none of that, but just because our communion is Jesus Christ and we don't want to simulate, as we say, simulate as if it were the same thing. Right. So we reserve our reception to holy communion in the Catholic Church because we truly believe that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, his real presence, the sacrament of the altar, the paschal mystery represented before us in time of the offering of Jesus Christ to his father for the salvation of souls right there. It is Jesus. And we never want to give the impression that it's all the same, right? Like anywhere you go, it's just, it's just all the same, just a piece of bread and just whatever. No. So that's, that's the distinction, but we are free to celebrate with our Protestant brothers and sisters, their weddings. And, and we ought to, we ought to celebrate them when, when they're living out their faith
0: and, and, and getting prepared for a great marriage. Well, thank you so much for clearing that up. I mean, that helps a lot. And uh, what you said about the Eucharist, that deserves its own episode. Oh, my goodness. I think a lot of Catholics need to hear that a few times. You know, hey, by the way, this is the true, the real presence of Jesus Christ is in this Eucharist, body, blood, soul, divinity. It's, yeah, that's, that's very important to note. I just want to ask one more question. Maybe we can cut this part out even. But what about being in a Protestant wedding? Like being the best man at a Protestant wedding. Is that okay for a practicing Catholic? Sure, absolutely. In a sense, it's it's almost like if your presence is there,
1: it means that if you were if you were standing in that church and you think it's 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 a wedding that that should take place and you're going to support that marriage, if you're standing in the crowd, and I tell this to Catholics at Catholic's wedding, if you're standing here in the crowd, it means that you are here because you support what's going on before you. And you're going to hold them accountable to the mm. vows that they are saying to each other. So one day when they go back on these things, maybe some of us should step up and say, can we support you in any way? How can we help your marriage? How can we support your marriage? So to your question, yes, if you're standing in the crowd... You could also be standing right next to them too, because in a sense, the, the community of the church who is there gathered is, is gathered just as as those representatives, w- which we call the wedding party. We're standing there as, as the wedding party,
0: but in full, you know, just behind them. Excellent. Well, Kyle and Lexi, <laughs> and they, <laughs> they know you pretty well. We're in good standing then, because I was their best man, in the, or I was uh, awesome, Kyle's best man in the wedding recently. But I want to ask now, we were just about to talk about your, your college experience in a little more detail. And, you know, people tend to think that priests, they've always been this way. They've always been, you know, pristine Catholics um, and always making it to mass and everything else. It, it's not like you've taken the vows of the priesthood uh, before you were a priest, though, In college, you know, what was your college experience like? Were you always going to Mass only football or football, football, I guess, only soccer? Yeah, Yeah. right. Or or were you like any normal college kid, I guess? Did you, did you go out and party? Just curious and feel free to tell me I'm not answering.
1: (laughs) This dude wants a full confession on air. What What are we doing, man? Why are you trying to call me? Don't you know confessions are reserved for the uh, priest? You know. Oh my No, goodness. man, great question, uh, and it's a fair question. No, I'm always I'm always open to to answer these things because I think it needs to be said, right? And and certainly without, I think the the qualification is we never want to glorify evil. You know, I think a lot of us who who have experienced conversion in our life. Sometimes we we go back to those stories and we really glory in, in our say, man, I was so sinful. I was the worst person on the earth. Listen to the things that I did mm. and look at where I'm at now. And and I don't think that we mean it that way, but sometimes we can lead people astray by by glorying a little bit in our sinfulness or in a, who we used to be, and also maybe a little bit of vanity of look at how far that I've come. And uh, and so without being, and I think one thing when we share this, you know, not being specific about our sins, I think that that sometimes is hurtful um really of of explaining too much, but I can tell you um you know face to face right here which which no one can see our faces but I'm telling you face to face that i i've I've not been the man that that I'm proud of you know and certainly I, I I lived much like other college students in college you know and and uh apart from the fact I, I mentioned and I may have exalted myself a little bit by saying that I, I was a mass goer in college i i I'm I'm shameful to say today, and I do regret. People say they don't have any regrets. I have a lot of regrets, and they're they're you all my sins. You better have regrets, right. everyone. What is and, with that? Uh, <laughs> and so and so, as I look back, I can tell you, I did go to mass on Sundays, but also I would say that probably the, the other days during the week, you may not have known that I was a Catholic. You know, and so I'm I'm ashamed of that because I, I wasn't I wasn't authentic um, in who I was. Who I was, but also having a little bit of mercy on myself and and on other young people who were in college. Um, you know, uh, I didn't know who I was yet. I was still growing into my manhood. I was still growing into my faith and, and, uh, and, and I wasn't yet who I was made to be. And and so that's just an ongoing conversion process. And, and even at that time, I, I knew that, that I, that I wanted to grow. I knew that there was something more to life than, than what I was living, but I was certainly, um, caught up with everybody else in, in, in the college life. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, you, first of all, you put it, brilliantly that sometimes there's vanity in the look how far i've come part of one's story and you know the glorification of the sins themselves in in some interesting way but you're absolutely correct i've never heard it put that way before but spot on and i think it's important for you specifically as as a great priest today to acknowledge that type of thing, and because there's a lot of young men that think because their their lives are not pristine right now, they they haven't been on the right track in their college career or uh, in their early you know adulthood. I think it's important to note that, you know, you weren't, you didn't have a crystal clear path as well, because now they think, well, okay, if he didn't have a perfect path and he's a priest, well, maybe that's actually a path that's accessible to me. So that's why I I asked you for the the public confession, I guess.
1: Right. And, you know, we need to have a a healthy sense of our unworthiness too. I think that that's a, that's a pandemic in itself of, of being able to respond to the voice of God in our life, you know, um, I think so many people say, I I don't want to go back to church because I know I'm such a sinner. I know what I did last night. That's why I'm not going to mass on Sunday. College kids do this all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I totally royally screwed up last night. Like I'm I'm not going to mass tomorrow, you know, or I'm not going back to confession. Or there's people in the church that often say like, these guys, these dudes, these, these ladies, they're such hypocrites. I don't want to go to a church with a bunch of hypocrites. You know what I'm saying? But I often tell them like, remember, the church was made for sinners, right? The church was made for sinners. Like, by definition, those of us who are here are sinners. Bishop Robert Barron often starts his podcast by saying, welcome fellow sinners, right? Like, that's the reason we're here because we're still growing. We're still growing. So don't be offended by someone who's a sinner who's at mass, right? Don't be offended by a sinner who's going to confession. Don't, don't disqualify yourself. By, by saying, oh my gosh, I was terrible last night. I, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't go back to mass. No, that, that mass was made for you. That, that confession was made for you, right? It was made for, for union with Christ. He's calling you back to himself, right? So there, there needs to be a, a healthy sense of unworthiness of knowing, yeah, I've screwed up. But the church has created ways for me to remedy that, right? Namely through confession before receiving the sacrament of the Eucharist, right? To, to, the Lord makes us worthy to receive him. but only through through that full forgiveness of sins, which we call sanctifying grace. He gives us this this amazing grace, no pun intended to the song, but he gives us this amazing grace that that, that fulfills our soul. It brings us back to our baptismal state, right? And it it covers us in, in, in the blood of the lamb and wipes us clean so much so that we can now receive Jesus Christ worthily again to make a holy dwelling place within our souls so that he can dwell there once again. So don't, don't be uh, uh, like scandalized by yourself, right? But, but certainly, is there is there an amendment to change our ways and do we have the tools to come back? Absolutely. Yeah. So let, let's make sure that, that we, we look at ourselves in the proper way and know that while we are yet still sinners, he calls us.
0: Wonderful. And and I've heard even exorcists, just to add to what you're saying, exorcists say that one of the best tricks that the devil can play, especially on Catholics and, and Christians alike, is to implement into their mind the idea that they are they have sinned beyond the Realm of what God can forgive. And, you know, to feel extra bad about themselves to say, to the point that they're like, I don't even deserve to go to confession. Like that will really get the ball rolling into this self hatred and this denial of God and this belief that you're not worthy and everything. But I mean, with the sacrament of confession, at least to my knowledge, there's never a reason that you can't go, correct? Like you can, you're always invited. Right. er, Everyone's invited to confession and it's
1: a place I, I laughed just now because I was just thinking earlier this week, I was at a high school retreat and, um, we had, we have several Protestants that go to our Catholic high schools and, uh, and they come into the confessional and I love it when, I love it when they come, even them. Now, at that time I I tell them like, you can't receive absolution Mm -hmm. at this time. Right. But like you can confess your sins to God and we can say a prayer, an act of contrition together. And I can give you a blessing, right? Like we will, the Lord in his, in his wisdom knows how to forgive all of us. Right. And and so I, I love it. Yes. The confessional is for everyone. Certainly there's, uh, there, there, there's certain, you know, ways that we need to conform our lives to his, to receive the maximum amount of. Grace that is offered in that confessional, but everyone is invited with their sinfulness to come forward and and to discuss those things uh, with God and with the priest who is his instrument of, of forgiveness.
0: Yes, and I, I have close friends, actually, that have converted to Catholicism, primarily because the sacrament of confession is what drew them in. They just thought it was so wonderful, it made perfect sense, and that's like the, the main driver in their conversion. But as we move on in this story here, you, you know, you had a great career at Clemson, and things went well there. How did you wind up, though, uh playing professional soccer? Well... I played on a on
1: a top 10 team. We had we had uh, so many um so many good players on our team. I was blessed to play with such good players and uh, I should mention, you know, after high school, I was I was never the best player on my team ever again for the rest of my life. I got to play with such good players that that certainly there were there were scouts coming around our team looking looking really at probably other guys and and when you you play on a team like that, you get seen as well. And uh, and so it was. It was just an opportunity. Um, a couple guys had had gone and, and and left school early to play professionally, and I was still hanging around. But those scouts still came around, and I ended up meeting a man who was was from the country of Chile in South America. Saw me play, thought that I had um, you know some of the the South American qualities to my game. He he envisioned me playing there, and 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 he just opened a door. And and so there's a, there's a lot to tell about that story. But there was an, there was an open door from a man who uh, acted as a, as a pseudo agent to to open doors for me. So So that I could prove myself
0: in a foreign land. Awesome, and I want to ask, of course, more about this professional career in just one second. But first, here are a few words from our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. When you're looking for intrigue, drama, friendship, and as the plot unfolds, betrayal, love, sorrow—a performance to keep you on the edge of your seat—you must see the American Passion Play. The Passion Play is the story you have known coming to life on the stage of the Center for the Performing Arts. This play is coming to Bloomington for a limited time. So. So don't delay get your tickets now at americanpassionplay.org or call 309-829-3903 march 19th march 26th and april 2nd Paul Garcia here again back with Father Chase Hilgenbrink we were just getting into you know the the, the beginning the development of your professional career you had some great connections you had a, a south american style to your to your soccer abilities you know, we're really scrunching a lot into a, a small amount of time here. but when when did your soccer career really hit its height, would you say? Was it immediately once you began playing soccer in Chile or was it later?
1: It, it certainly was later. You know, I had to get used to the game in South America. You know, when you when you go and play in a new culture and, and a new style, I had to I had to learn a new style. You know, it's just like speaking a new language. I, I had studied a little bit of Spanish before I went down, uh, and I thought that I knew how to speak Spanish. But then you get in the culture, and, and all of a sudden you're lost. You know, you need to learn their rhythm. You need to learn their slang. You need to learn how to how to speak as they speak. And so, using that analogy, it was it was similar with the game. I knew how to play soccer. You know, I, I knew how this game works. Um, at the same time, there's, there's just a different style. There's, there's different coaching. There's, there's different methods. Uh, there's certainly a different language, uh, literally in the, in the game. And so there was a lot of getting used to. And, uh, you know, our, our, for those soccer lovers out there, you know, who may understand what I'm saying here, but like, you know, our game in America is, is very tactical. It's the most tactical game in the entire world where we, we implement, you know, a certain structure and a style and, and we stick to our game. And, and that's that's honestly how it's more of a European style. And that's how we have success against against maybe more skillful opponents uh, or maybe not so much success. But certainly um, in South America, it's a more more of a skill game and, and a lot less, in my opinion, a lot less discipline when it comes to tactics. And so I was very frustrated, you know, because my game is, is very tactical, especially being a defender. My game was very tactical and I was, I was organizing a team, you know, from the back and, and that was my, that was my strength. Um, whereas their game is very skillful and, and, and at times, um, in my opinion, uh, not as intelligent because, mm-hmm. you know, guys t- trying to take on the world, you know, by themselves or trying to do, you know, fanciful things. And, and certainly I was playing with a lot of, a lot of youth players who were trying to figure out the game too. And so, um, yeah, it, it came around, but eventually I'll, I'll tell you that the reason that that I was successful in South America was not only because I advanced in in skill and kind of found the rhythm to their game, but also because I stuck to my guns. And because I was a tactical player, I added a value that they didn't have. And coaches saw that. uh, My tactical ability to to organize the team Mm -hmm. and And um, that that added value to to a very skillful game. And uh, so again, I I think, you know, just like anything else, we find our place on the team. We find our place in the mission. uh, And as long as we we know our opponent, right, we're going to be successful. And I found success on those teams because I knew who I was and I knew uh, what I was capable of and what I wasn't capable of. Mm -hmm.
0: So when was, when would you say the moment that you were like, all right, this is, I've, I've made it. When was that moment where you really started to understand that you know, I'm a pro and not only am I a pro, but you know we're doing good together. What was the height? Tell me about the height of your of your career then?
1: The height was probably my my uh, my final year in the in this in in the league. Um, just before I, had, you know, determined to come back to the United States, and 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 I knew inevitably that I was I was going to be a seminarian for the Diocese of Peoria, um, and that's because uh, the year before, in my, in my third year playing there, we had a ton of success. I was on a great team. I was brought into that team to to help win a, a championship in second division, and um, and and certainly we we did that. We 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 had an incredibly successful year. I, I even won an award of being the best player in my position in the league that year. So I was I was wow. really on the top of my game um, in that second division but but as as it works in in other countries and the united states hasn't hasn't caught up to this yet maybe maybe one one day but we have this a thing called promotion and relegation system so it basically meant that second division teams if you win the league you go into first division and the the bottom tier teams in the first division move down they get relegated into second division so it's a huge deal Uh, money Popularity, you know, the the state of the game, the ability to do different things is is huge when you move from second division to first division. So finally, I was back playing in the first division, just like I was when I when I, you know, first joined the league. So I was back. My final year was playing in first division, and and uh, and 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 there, our team, you know, we were we were the newbies on the block, uh, but. Well respected around the league and, and had a lot of success uh, as a first year team back in the first division and it was just a blast. Uh, I had I had tons of fun, but I, I really had felt like you know by that time I had, had found my my rhythm and I was I was in in the best place of my career so far. And and it, the only thing that was painful was knowing that it was it was about to end because the Lord was was calling me to his to his church.
0: Hmm. I, I want to before we talk about that transition. I want to ask like what. Were you making good money as a professional soccer player? Like, were you doing what people think of when they think of uh, professional <laughs> athletes? Were you out? Were you, you know, was it champagne celebrations like every <laughs> week? And were you guys, I don't know, you know, I, I don't mean to ask for another public sure. confession type no, of thing. No, no, no. But like, what was life like? You know, um,
1: at its at its height, it was, it was certainly... Um, it was certainly a a beautiful and and fun time and, and, um, and and maybe what some people might think of, but at the same time, there's nothing glamorous, like, like, you, you know, sports in the United States and professional sports in the United States. So, um, there, there's a lot of things that are akin to that, but remember that there's no place like the United States of America and, uh, and the game of soccer, you know, wasn't making money like you, you can, you can earn even, even in the United States. Um, but I certainly, um, you know, lived probably in, in a high class, higher class lifestyle um, because of of what soccer players are, are able to earn, um, and uh, and 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 at its lowest, you know, was was kind of you know my my first year uh, playing in South America, not 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 really knowing my spot, but it had a lot to do with my interior life, maybe more than 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 the exteriors because. You know, I was I was just, you know, coming on this new team, but um, you know, life was not glamorous. I wasn't going to any parties. I, I didn't have any friends. I, I, you know, I wasn't popular, like people didn't know me. You know, all those things that you think about when you think of, of a professional athlete. So I was kind of at the at the bottom end of that and I was just kind of asking the Lord, like, what's going on in my life? Like why why is this not why am I not popping champagne bottles with Michael <laughs> Jordan, right? And going to great parties. Like what what is life all about? Um again, those my my immature eyes. Those are the things that I thought were glamorous, the thought of, of, of what I should be doing. It was at that time, in the midst of that, that that true silence, I was invited into a, a silence with the Lord. And and that's when I started going to, to Catholic churches. It was the only thing that I knew. It was the only place that I found comfort. It was the only place that I, I knew I was at home. And I would walk into a place and 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 there was a there was a gold box with a with a red candle burning right beside of it. Mm-hmm. And and I knew I was home, right? And that was the tabernacle, it was the candle of presence. It was it was showing me that Jesus Christ truly was present there in the Eucharist and He was waiting for me and I was home and I would go in these churches, I was, I would sit down on the way home from practice and I would just, just ask the Lord for all the things that I wanted in life and the ways that I thought it would be fulfilled. And it was in the midst of one of those conversations um, with the Lord uh, that I heard the words, be my priest. And and that's that's when I knew that there was something more to my life. I knew that there was something more. And, and of course, my, my reaction was to reject that because uh, in my immaturity, um, I didn't want what the Lord wanted for my life uh, if, if he didn't want what I wanted, you know? And, and so that had to change, I wasn't necessarily seeking his will uh entirely for my life. I wanted him uh to allow me to do the things that I wanted to do and then bless that. You know, mm. which is I think the state of of, of Christianity in a lot of places and, and our our ability to um to to live the faith is 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 sometimes hampered by by our own desires. Uh and our our own desires aren't bad, but they need to be conformed to the will of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that time they, they simply weren't and I and I wasn't the man that I was called to be at that time. Um, but all this talking about the lifestyle of a soccer player um, at that time, you know, I I knew that there was something more and I desired more of that lifestyle. And then when I finally got to live it for the next three years, you know, and living all those what I consider the greatest blessings of being a professional athlete, of, of actually living that life. Um, finally, it was it was
0: towards the end of that that I realized that there's still something more that this isn't enough. Hmm. OK. It's like you hear that no one really knows until they're in that situation, you know, of having that success, that there could actually still be that that God sized hole in your heart. You know, we all assume it's like, well, you know, like part of me even wants, you know, part of that success, of you know, with my own podcast. But I know it's so strange. It's like you hear all these people saying that there's still the hole in your heart. When you have that success, and so my, I mean, my remedy for that is just keep God in that hole right now, and then grow with it. But was that hole, was that silence, was that need to fulfill God's will getting louder as you had more success, or how did that work? Certainly, certainly, it was, it
1: was, um, it, w- it was silenced for a while, you know, and maybe just numbed out, right? I think that's that's what we try to do often is we try to we try to numb out the things that that cause us pain or suffering. Uh, you know, as, a, as, as one guy recently told me, he's like, yeah, we, we either medicate it or we throw money at it. That's how we deal with things in America. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, we, we numb things out so we don't hear the voices that we don't want to hear. Like that, that's why truth isn't always spoken. Um, because sometimes it's, it's painful um but certainly I, I numbed it out with a little bit of my success i numbed it out um by having you know a date gr- date a great dating relationship i numbed it out by becoming a starter on my team i numbed it out by going to great parties i numbed it out by doing all the things that i finally desired um signing a new t- contract moving to a new city you know like all these things uh were i was i was trying to convince myself that this is it that this is it now this is it you know but mm. but we have infinite desires as you mentioned before we have, we have an infinite desire and they never end and so, even uh, again, achieving all of those things, my desires never lessened for 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 success, for fulfillment, for for the joy of life. And and it was it was the that's the way that the Lord finally got through to me was was allowing me to to achieve all of these things that I said would fulfill me. And then He showed me that only what He says would fulfill me. Those things were never enough. Right, I was still asking for more, and it was at, at that moment, after that that third year that we won that championship, that I thought, "Man, Lord, this is it. This is enough. This is it. This is it." And in the next moment, another moment of grace in my life, I was saying, "Wait a second. This, this is it. You know, this isn't enough. There's, there's got to be more." I'm 25 years old. Like, is that it? Like, that's the only thing I had planned. I'm so shallow, you know. And and my mind is so small, you know. I was I was proven right there, and that was a great sense a, a sense of, of 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 true unworthiness, right? how small I am, man. It was a, a great humbling. And, uh, and that brought about the, the greatest joy, which was finally, I was, I was able to desire what the Lord desires. And I pray a prayer today and we pray it across our diocese. Lord, help me to want to be what you want me to be. And the greatest word in, in both of those sentences is, in that sentence is, is want. And it's said twice, you know, I want to want what you want. I don't want to just do what you want. I want to want what you want. And now I can say that being a Catholic priest, um, I I want what God wants. And, and it's, that is, that's the fullness of life is, is actually desiring what he desires for us. And, and when we do that, we can get through a pandemic. We can get through our greatest sufferings. We can get through anything in life and, 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 and be contented where we're at knowing that, that the Lord always
0: provides and and there's always more as long as we're with him. Beautifully put and but I I do want to ask, what was the moment though, that you, when did you officially decide to take the steps to become a Catholic priest. And you mentioned that you had dating relationships. What happened there? What happened with your professional team in your decision to become a priest? Did you have to retire right then and there? Were people upset? Tell me about that.
1: Certainly there was, um, there's just like conversion takes place in our lives. Uh, so when we discern God's will and we we slowly move towards that, there were many stages along the way. There wasn't a moment. There wasn't a moment, but I can point you to, to, to some moments um, that happened along the way. And and one of those was, you know, the realization that, that, um, you know, my dating relationship was, was kind of a way to convince God that I wasn't called to the priesthood. I was, I was truly, um, in a way trying to say, Lord, if, if, if I, you know, if I fall in love with this girl, like the Lord will understand, you know, he'll understand, like he'll get it. Um, and so that was just another way of, of kind of numbing that voice in my life. And, um, and so that dating relationship, you know i i knew that i finally you know i had to be honest with her i mean she had to move on with her life i i was i was being unjust towards her as well um in a certain way we, we, you know it just it, it wasn't what what god willed and and i knew it and at that time you know i had to i had to end that relationship and that was towards the end of the time that i was there a great girl and and thanks be to god she's married today and and has a son and 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 so beautiful um so happy for her. i prayed for her for a mm-hmm. long time um, that, that she would find God's will for her life as well and her vocation. And she has, and so praise the Lord. Um, but also, you know, I was, as I was playing and towards the end of that, that, that season, I was telling you about, uh, where we had a lot of success, you know, that was when I I was realizing that this is, this is never going to be enough, you know, and I was just honest with myself. And I think sometimes it just takes great honesty with ourselves, which sometimes that, that, that that's a struggle to be truly honest with ourselves, to be that vulnerable and to be honest before God. And I, I acknowledged at that time that, that, this was never enough. There was there was specifically one night after a week of 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 championship parties and 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 awesome stuff that uh, that I realized I was telling the Lord. I was just thanking the Lord. I was just thanking him. I said, "Lord, thank you. This is it." Like this is what I wanted. This is, you you answered my prayers. Like, thank you. I was I was honestly thankful towards him, and grateful. And in the next moment, again, that that grace of of saying, "Wait a second. This this isn't enough. This isn't it." He convicted me at that moment. This is not it. Like, this isn't enough. And, and it was there that I realized, wow, if, if I never become the man that God's calling me to be, could I ever, just logically, could I ever be fully fulfilled in my life? I mean, the logical, the philosophical answer to that is no. If you were made for something and you never become that thing, then how could you ever be the man that, you're, that you want to be? Right, We're, we're just making this thing up but we do have a creator we do have a divine mind who had a plan before he created us and so if that's the case then then how can we ever think that we're going to be fulfilled or live the life that 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 will bring the greatest glory to God and, and to the people who are around us if we never become that man or that woman and so i was convicted in that moment mostly through god's grace but also through logic we, we I, this wasn't blind faith this wasn't just walking in blindness this was this was discernment right of god's will and we we have to do that god is a logical god and um, and he wants us to use our our good minds that he gave us to discern well and to make
0: decisions right and we i first of all, we have an obligation to live to become what we are called to become. I believe, and then also it, it people say they don't know what they're called to become, but I think that there might be a deep down voice that we all hear. It's just whether or not we choose to acknowledge it. Would you agree or do you think some people truly are lost and have no idea where to go? Maybe that's when God comes in and you have to seek God first in order to know what you're called to be. Well, I'll just start by
1: saying hearing God's voices is, is not an easy task, hmm. right? And, and and knowing what God wants is is, is not always easy because it takes a, 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 a spiritual life that we're willing to invest in. It takes time spent with God, which is why it's tough because that's hard work. And, and, And we are taught like that. There, there. In order to do anything, there must be payoff. There must be a payout, right? And so sometimes, if we don't uh, perceive that God is answering us immediately, then all of a sudden we say, "I'm out of here." We're not willing to put in that good work because after a trial, you know, it it didn't work out the first time, or didn't work out the second time. You know, I'm out. But remember that that that. Hearing God's voice is about a relationship with God that's ongoing, and so it, it it's hard work. So I don't want to I don't want to dismiss anybody who 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 is kind of given up on this and said this was hard, and that's why I gave. Yeah, it is hard. Anything you want to be good at is going to be hard. You want to be a radio host? It's going to be hard. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mess up a lot, and you're gonna have to find your way. You're gonna have a lot of failures along the way. The question is, do you really want this? And if you do, get sure. back up, man. Keep keep grinding. If I want to be a soccer player, you think it was easy? No, no, I had to screw up a lot of times. I had to go through humiliation. I had to be said no to. I, I had to, I had to find a way, you know? And so I, I know that the spiritual life is the same way. And, and certainly if anybody reads the fourth part of our catechism, which is so beautiful on, on Christian prayer, if you read that, it, there's church makes no bones about it. The church will tell you this is hard work. This is going to be hard work. You're going to suffer if you want, if you want to be able to do this well. And so, um, yeah, hearing God's voice is, is, uh, is, is a task that's that's worthy and it's worthy of our time and we have to give ourselves permission sometimes to waste time with him
0: well said in in father i I wish we could talk longer but we do have to wrap this thing up here in just a second i want to ask you a couple more questions first of all you know you've you've been a priest for a little over a decade now what are your goals with this for the rest of your life until you know we're hopefully called back into uh, unity with our father in heaven what do you want to get done? What, what do you want to be able to say on your deathbed that you did in your life as a priest? That's a great question. And
1: it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult to, to, to answer only because, you know, um, you know, the definition of a priest, and, and we have to know who we are, but a simple definition that we sometimes say is, is it's like, I, I'm, I'm meant to, you know, to bring people to God and God to people. You know, and, and that sounds like simplistic because that's what you're called to as well. But we get to do that in a, in a very special way through the sacraments uh, of the church. And so my my goal for the rest of my life is to bring as many people to conversion, to the heart of Jesus Christ and to be able to live in his fullness um, as possible while we're on earth. I think sometimes we we wait till heaven. We say, man, if I, if I, I'll just, you know, I'll have a deathbed conversion. that will be awesome. I'll wait <laughs> until then, until I start living this life. I, I want to convict people right now, right now to live a perspective. Like we could be living so much more. Jesus came not just so we could go to heaven, but so that we could actually start living resurrected life here and now. Thy kingdom come, we pray every single day. Thy kingdom come. We're supposed to build his kingdom here, not because this is heaven, not because we're meant to stay here and we're not staying here, right? But to start living resurrected life now, a redeemed mm. life, as it were. Like we should live as as if we are redeemed because we are, right? We've been given a special gift, but sometimes we we, we don't even know the gift we've been given, Right, I want to bring around that perspective. I want to help us to live that life here and now. I want us to to, to look forward to heaven, but I want to bring bring souls to Him. I don't I don't have you know. I don't, there's no like worldly accomplishments that I want to do within the within the this world while I have it. Um, if I'm bringing people to, to Jesus every day and, and living to the maximum of my ability, finding creative ways and meeting people where they are, giving them those words of hope. If I give people a word of hope every day. I think that is, 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 is one of the best things that I could be able to do as a priest to tell them, you can do this. Let's go more. You can go further. There is, there's, there's greater hope. You can get back up. We can do this again. You know, there's, there's so many things. And I know that those things are general and they're intangible. Um, but, uh, but I don't have any worldly goals for myself as a priest, uh, in, in the sense that, um, you know, really, if you can, if you can understand this, if we have mature minds to understand this, like really, I'm not living for anything more. I'm I, I'm not living for anything more. And, and the Lord might take me today or tomorrow or whatever, and that'd be fine. I, I don't have
0: anything else to live for except for His glory. Wow. Well, Father Chase, it has been excellent uh, being able to talk to you today on the show. I appreciate your time so much. But before we go, you know, you're a retired professional soccer player. Uh, you, you've been removed from the sport a little bit for quite a while. Do you think that you could still score a goal on a young athletic man such as myself? Dude, as long as you know the rules, I want you
1: wrestling me to the ground. I know that that's your game, dude. But, um, you know, these old legs might be able
0: to still do something.
1: I I think I have a little confidence,
0: yeah. Right on. Well, we shall see here in a minute. But Father Chase, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Paul, great to be with you always. Hope we can do it again. Right on. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com.